Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this on Friday, January 24th, 2020, which is the day that the very first set of the Disney short circuit films become available for viewing on uh, Disney+. Plus. Now, now, Drew, you went over to Walt Disney Animation Studios earlier this month and got to sit down with a bunch of, of the folks who actually made these movies, right? Or... Yes, yes. It was a great day. At, well, any day at Walt Disney Animation Studios is a great day, Jim, but this was, this was really great. I have to say I envy that you got to see these in the screening room there at, at Disney because there's at least a couple of these that I would love to see on the big screen. Yeah, it was also nice that they were all together. They sh- they had little. I don't know. If, are, are there little like filmmaker intros? On there are. Disney there films? are. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they showed those intros and then they just ran the movies. So it was really great because you know it was uninterrupted. You couldn't look at your phone. You couldn't you know be distracted by Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really nice way to see them. So I'm curious. I, I want to know what your favorites were. Okay, well, we'll, so, we'll get to yes, that we'll on the there. second half on today's show. But first, uh, just let's let's plow into the news here. And to start things off, we, we need to do a shout out to Bill Farmer and his lovely wife, Jennifer. Uh, yesterday was the 33rd anniversary of Bill being hired by Disney's character voice department to become the official voice of Goofy. The very first time that Farmer voiced this character was back in 1987. It was for a holiday special that you can actually watch on youtube right now drew it's it's disney's dtv doggone valentine which aired i guess on february 13th of that year and what the hell is dtv oh god see you know i know you've seen these but your brain has protected you drew it, it's <laughs> selectively forgot this was when disney in, in a desperate effort to appear cool and hip you know, took old show. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I Now you're triggering me, but yes. Go there we go. And See? Okay. And, and that's the appropriate word, trigger, because these yeah. things are, like, I was watching just a little bit of them and it's like, oh, oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> they were music videos that there were characters over. Oh, yeah. Overlaid, right? Yeah. It was just, yeah. it was bad stuff. But again, it got Bill employed. And, and actually what's kind of cool is that Bill isn't just a Disney legend. He's also a Disney nerd. So how does he choose to celebrate his 33rd year working for Disney, he goes to Club 33 with his wife. So, you know, if only if only other members of this podcast could go to Club 33 with their wives, Jim. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just again, putting that out there. We'll Jim. have a conversation after we finish the show. OK, I, I owe you and Katie a wedding present anyway. So, OK. And speaking of things that got tweeted out last week, did you see that tweet Josh Gad put up about his new animated series, uh, Central Park? No, I did not see that. Okay. He said to this effect, cannot wait for you all to see this incredible new series this summer. It's one of the most special things I've ever been a part of. Hashtag Central Park. A little background here. This is a new animated comedy from Lauren Bouchard, who's the creator of Bob's Burgers. It's uh, being animated by Bento Box Entertainment, which I think uh, you've talked about on, on previous shows, Drew. Yeah, it's very close to where I live, actually. Is on it really? Gym. Yeah, oh. in North Hollywood. Yeah, they're up there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And this is supposed to begin streaming on an Apple TV Plus starting later this summer. And premise of the show is, let's see, it involves a family of caretakers who live and work in Central Park, who wind up saving the park and basically the world. I mean, that's literally the log line of the show. And 
what's kind of interesting is that evidently Apple TV landed the rights for this show in a very competitive situation back in March of 2018. And, and they believe strongly enough in the show, they ordered two seasons right up front. So, um, going to be kind of interesting, you know, and again, I always enjoy Josh when he does animations and as a big fan of Bob's Burgers, you know, can't wait to see this show. Um, yeah, I think it has sort of a sci-fi tinge to okay. it or something. Cool, cool. Um, did you see him on Conan talking about how he visited the set of Rise of Skywalker um, on a day on the day where Palpatine says to Rey, "You are my granddaughter." No, and he said he was. <laughs> oh no! Okay, and pretty funny. <laughs> he said he was so annoyed because he wanted to, you know, he was. It was very cool being on the set, but he wanted to, you know, he wanted to experience that in the theater, <sighs> and then he had to keep his mouth shut for a year or whatever. So. Jeez. thought that was pretty funny. That is pretty funny. funny. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, we were talking about shows getting picked up by streaming services. I don't know if you saw the the news coming out of Hulu last week that they picked up uh, three shows from DreamWorks Animation. I did see that. <laughs> you know, well, first we've got Madagascar A Little Wild, which is what? Just basically the Muppet Babies version of this franchise. Alex the Lion, Marty the Zebra and company, but it's little kids. Yeah. I don't like that because I don't want them being happy in the zoo. <laughs> I don't like zoos, and I don't want them to be happy in the zoo. The whole point of Madagascar was that they got out of the zoo. That that seems a little bit problematic to me, but okay. that might just be my you know animal rights uh, side kicking no, no, in. No, 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 no. That, that that's a valid point. Uh, <laughs> on the other hand, we have what Trolls Topia, which, as I understand it builds off of the Trolls World Tour movie, which comes out on April 17th of this year. And then there's the Mighty Ones. Have you heard about this one? No. Okay. It's a animated adventure series set in your average backyard that, that features a twig, a pebble, a leaf, and a strawberry. So picture this, Drew. In, in a month's time, Toy Fair kicks off at the Jacob Javits Center in New York. You and I both know, you know, that the guys from Hasbro and Mattel are going to be duking it out in the aisles for the for the rights for the show that stars the Pebble and the Twig. <laughs> so, listen, if Pickle and Peanut was a show on Disney Channel, then well, you know, it's it's so, so funny you say that because again, think about it. Back in 1999, somebody from Viacom had to have the exact same conversation with toy manufacturers for SpongeBob. Think about it. You're in that pitch, and well, it stars a sponge who has a pet snail called Gary, and his best friend is a, a sea star, and it, and it's like, and you know, you know, there's there's some toy company executive who's developed a very serious drinking problem because he's the guy who said that sounds like the stupidest show. You know, I'm, I, there's no way we're licensing you know SpongeBob. Right. Well, do you think it's weird that these shows aren't on Peacock? because DreamWorks Animation is now a part of Universal. Yeah, you know, but uh, but the weird part of it is is that it takes a while to tap the brakes in Hollywood, and, and DreamWorks Animation was just making deals left and right to sort of keep the, the lights on. That's true. You know, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff on Netflix. Have you watched uh, Kipo and the Wonder Beasts yet? No, no. And, and in fact, that they had... Um, I don't know if you you saw this video that the DreamWorks Animation put up within the past month or so, but it basically was a tribute 
to the past 20 years of, of their television animation operation. And it was all of these recreations of figures of their central characters from their franchises, but done in domino format. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it honestly was. It was a unique way to sort of acknowledge the anniversary. And at the same time, what was interesting is that the Spirit, the Spirit television show was in there and Troll Hunters and the like. Uh, I don't think Keepo made the list, though. So Speaking oh. of Troll Hunters, where, where the hell is Wizards? Uh, we need it. We need the third chapter, Jim. I do not know what to tell you, you know, but again, <laughs> oddly enough, you know, that brings up my, my quote for the day, which, you know, again, famous William Goldman quote, when it comes to Hollywood, nobody knows anything, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I especially bring that up on the heels of the news coming out of Sundance animation last week, or excuse me, Skydance. Alessandro Carlani walked away from luck, you know, for that famous coverall excuse, creative differences. And so... Normally, that you know the way Hollywood operates. You know, director walks away from a film. You know, that's a bad thing. But did you see who they they've hired to replace him? Yes, I think that is a great choice yeah, to replace him. I, I, this is, of course, Peggy Holmes. And I, in your time at Disney, did you have any dealings with Peggy? Or well, by the time I got to Disney, Toon Studio was kind of mm-hmm. Uh, on the back burner. But I mean, I did the press days for all the mm-hmm. fairies and, and movies like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, she's great. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Peggy's smart woman, passionate storyteller. And what I, I love about her is she can take a teeny tiny budget and stretch it further than anybody on the planet. I mean, that's the thing of those Walt Disney home premiere films is they always looked great on very little money. So, you know, in a, in a weird sort of way, Skydance Animation is very lucky to have landed Peggy to be the new director of Luck. Mm-hmm. But anyway, all right, the, the premise of this animated film is Luck is a comedy that pulls back the curtain on the millennia-old battle between the organization of good luck and bad luck that secretly affects our daily lives. Though that said, we haven't talked lately about Mr. Lassiter, who who's over there is yeah. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, and that, again, his role it it's creative advisor. It's it's what exactly? I've I've never gotten a clear answer as to what his day to day actually is. I just think it's very interesting that they hire a woman from the fairies, and all those reports came out about Lassiter getting very handsy with the actors that were playing the fairies. Uh, remember that <laughs> oh god I, I, that story slipped my mind <laughs> again it's you know, of, the, it's I, I probably kept it in the same there. box as the DTV videos alright you know just sort of right. like oh yeah. that, that just got interesting <laughs> yeah so okay. that'll be an interesting press tour is what there, I'm saying there Jim. we go alright wow okay that, well there's another event we're not getting invited to Drew um, <laughs> and speaking of Somebody who, well, it's not a question of invite. He's actually uh, more to the fact of he's excused himself out. You know, the Hank Azaria just last week in an interview with Slash Film uh, said straight out, I won't be doing the voice of a poo anymore, which is is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, we had that uh, documentary back in 2017, The Trouble with a Poo, or excuse me, The Problem with a Poo. Uh, Do you ever get to see that or? I never saw it. No, is it great? They do an interesting job. In fact, it's kind of interesting. I have my South Asian sister-in-law, and I got talking with her about this very same issue, you know, to the effect of 
do you find a poo offensive? Because again, you got to remember when the show first came on the air, he was the first Indian character that really showed up in, on in network television. Again, of course, this is Fox back in its early days. Where I mean, this was early, early, early for Fox. So, uh, but The Simpsons was one of their first hits right out of the gate, and and Apu was you know was part of the ensemble almost from what episode two, episode three. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the weird part of it is, is that they acknowledge this in an episode last season. You know, they had, I forget the quote that Lisa used, but it was just, you know, the notion that the world has kind of moved on and it's time to change. And so, you know, you, you have to applaud them, you know, for, okay, we're finally going to do this. And more to the point, it's not like Hank, who voices, what, 10 other characters on the show? It is going to be hurting for work, but uh. yeah, I mean, I kind of have two lines of thought about it. One is like, yeah, this is probably overdue, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like it's been going on for thirty something years, so you know, making kind of a stink about it now seems sort of weird. Um, but you know, I don't know. How do you feel about it, Jim? Well, I'm I'm actually more intrigued at this point. Um, is it Tress McNeil who voices a Pooh's wife? You know, is yeah. Does oh no, it's uh, Jan Hooks. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I could okay. You know, just so is it just Hank who has to step away, or is it, it Jan as well? Um, I don't know. Yeah. That, that, this is. I guess there's more questions to ask at this point. And oh, uh, speaking of animation that's related to Fox or used to be related to Fox. Um, I I wish we had better news about Spies in Disguise, but that Blue Sky Studios movie, in fact, it basically came out a month ago today. I mean, it was, what, it was released to theaters December 25th, uh, but it's, it's really kind of run out of gas. $60 million worth of tickets sold stateside, $76 million overseas, total worldwide box office at this point, $136 million. And what, we're not seeing a new Blue Sky movie till 2022? Um, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I guess what's, what's strange for me is, you think about it, 136 million sounds like a large amount of money. But but then, what was it, just last week we had the news of the, the Seth MacFarlane deal with, with NBC Universal, the $200 million deal. Right. Uh, and which well, I was going to say also 136 million if you spread it out over a production that lasted seemingly forever mm-hmm. uh, between the the delays and the new animation and the new voice cast that yeah. they crammed in there at the last minute. I'm sure that this thing cost a huge amount of money mm-hmm. uh, when all was said and done. And the weird part of it is, I, you know, I finally got serious about, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to see this thing. And it's nowhere. I can't find it anywhere in theaters here up in New Hampshire. And that's, you know, not even that that token matinee they sometimes do for family films. So it's just kind of heartbreaking. Okay. Oh, I, I did see Aladdin. I saw Adam's Family this oh, week, and, finally. And? It's fine. I, I still think the animation is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the designs are really 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 bad but um it's fine you know i just wish it's a cute story i just wish that the animation had been a little bit more sophisticated and the design work had been better 
I don't know. I think there would be would have been a way to translate those drawings into 3D computer animation in a in a more uh, aesthetically pleasing way. Let's well, say. It, it'll obviously we we have a sequel on the way. It'll be kind of interesting to see you know what the decision is you know to the effect of I mean because. <laughs> you know how they work in animation. It's the notion of you have a rig. You used it. You actually used it to make that movie. Oh, no, no, no. We have new tools. We need to build a new rig. You know, you think you already had pre-existing assets that are going to hit the ground running on a, a project like that. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's time to spend even more money. Right. Um, I just want to see the Tim Burton stop motion version that he was going to do for <sighs> Illumination. Oh, you are killing me. Remember? Remember that, Jim? Yeah. Well, also, what was it? The, the Henry Selleck Shadow Project? Um, every every yes. so often, some imagery from that bubbles up online. And that that's another heartbreaker. Um, but on the other hand, we we got to celebrate the fact that, that every so often... Good stuff happens. Like uh, yeah. just this last week, uh, we got news that we've got a, a Tex Avery Blu-ray coming out. Tex Avery Screwball Classics Volume 1. And again, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to be a jerk, but I immediately said, oh, cool, I'm going to get to see my favorite Tex Avery film again, which is uh, Magical Maestro from 1952. And nope. Yeah. The 13 or 16 shorts, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've got a, a bunch of screwy squirrels and droopy. Uh, mm -hmm. and, I mean, there's 138 minutes of, of Tex Avery goodness, uh, though I don't, I don't know if, do you, do you pay attention to Mark Evanier's News From Me the website? No, what is that? Oh, he's a wonderful animation writer. He's worked for years and has all of these great show business stories. But he told this great story recently about how he actually went with a bunch of his friends and Tex when Tex was still alive to see sort of a festival of Texas shorts. And said what was interesting is about three or four films in, people began to gravitate to the lobby they actually found Tex sitting out there and Tex kind of smiled and said you know you gotta understand what these were never intended to be shown back to back to back you know because they're so crazy you know they're, they're so high energy that it's the equivalent of somebody singing loudly and screaming in your face for seven minutes at a time and it just you know 28 minutes in it's like all right I gotta go out to the lobby you know I got right. I need to smoke or whatever so, yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say that there's really no rhyme or reason to the sequencing of this Blu-ray or the ones that they chose because it's not like they're not even in chronological order, really. I don't know. It's very weird. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy that this Blu-ray exists and I'll be, you know, getting it for no, sure. No, no. But, no absolutely. Um, and, and again, it's volume one. So in theory, this one sells. We get a volume two and Magical Maestro will eventually show up. Um, yeah. honestly, it's weird to watch that one on television, uh, or, or on your computer, that sort of thing. Cause it has, has one gag that is only text could have come up with. Have you seen this one? It's, it's the one where the I guy. I don't know if I have. Okay. So it's, it, it's basically a guy on stage singing. And what happens is in the lower left-hand corner, you suddenly see a hair show up. Like it's a real projector, like a hair is shown up on the projector and then it disappears. And then, you know, maybe 10 seconds later, it comes back and the character singing and then finally stops singing, walks over to the hair, pulls it out, 
you know, and sort of throws it off the screen and then comes back to center stage and starts singing again. It's this wonderful breaking the fourth wall moment that, uh, again, only Tex and, and, you know, his, his crew at MGM could have ever come up with. Kind of interesting that, again, that we're, we're talking about, you know, shorts that were made back in the 40s and the 50s because after this break, uh, we're going to talk about the Disney short circuit program. Okay, so before we get started here, the Disney uh, short circuit program was basically created for Disney Plus, right? Yeah. No, short circuit was never intended for outside screening. Like all the animators were like, we thought no one would ever see this stuff. Wow. So um, I guess at some point, you know, Disney Plus came to Disney Animation. They said, we have this new platform. Do you have anything? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we've got these shorts. I mean, most of them are, you know, upwards of three years old. Um, Are they really? Yeah, they are. Yeah. I I, I have to admit, I, I was intrigued by... The length, I mean, some of them, typically, what is it, 90 seconds, two minutes, and an hour, yeah. right? Or... Yeah, I think 90 seconds was what everyone was gunning for. Mm-hmm. Some of them went a little over, some of them went a little under. Okay. But yeah, they never thought these would be shown. I mean, what's interesting is that there have been, there. I think there were three kind of like classes mm-hmm. of shorts. So the, the second class kind of learned from what the people did in the first class and so on and so forth. They were also borrowing assets and stuff from each other which is really interesting well like, i i wanted to bring that up for example the race um yes has crazy uh, hyper detailed backgrounds is, is mm-hmm. that one of the films that, that borrowed assets Cause i'm I, not sure it was it was more like characters and stuff uh, like okay. the the toupee short was the very first one mm-hmm. that was made and they actually made characters for that and then apparently those characters show up in every other short when there are like people that are needed. Oh. And like Baby Moana is in the one about the raindrop. Mm-hmm. And like it's really interesting. Like, you know, a lot of the, the fish and stuff at the end of the puddle mm-hmm. one are from Moana. So it's really interesting that they kind of borrowed stuff from movies that were in production or assets they had available and changed them around and... Um, put them in these shorts but it's it's really it is really a feat of uh ingenuity and creativity i think um but yeah absolutely wow um but again this sort of differentiate here so again so this is an in-house program and disney plus comes along uh and is is able to repurpose these films that were done in-house now is that the same case with Forky Asked the Question? Did, did, did... I think Forky Asked the Question. Did you not read my great Bob Peterson profile, Jim? I, 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 Jeez. I, I, you know, you I think was you so know obsessed someone. with researching you you have, D20V. You know, uh, yeah, you know, you have, you think you have an ally on your side, somebody <laughs> you know you'll get that click out of, but uh, you know, uh, I guess not. But anyway, right. I did a, I did a very long. Mm-hmm detailed profile of bob peterson okay. and he is one the nicest man in the world oh obviously. yeah yeah um and two i think from what i understood that the shorts started basically they said like do you have anything that you can put on disney plus but but pixar could only make about 30 minutes of content mm-hmm. so it, they couldn't do a show because that, it would be one show and it would be over. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided to do to really stretch the thirty minutes and make ten of these 
little shorts. Um, mm. And that's how it started. And and we also have a new Pixar short next week called Lamp Life, which I've seen, which is also very awesome. Um, and is about Bo's time in between yes, um, yes getting yes, yes, sold. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. Um, you'll, you'll appreciate another fine Jim Hanks performance, Jim, no. for you. <laughs> Well, get couldn't bring Tom back for five minutes. I guess I don't know. Okay, Dan, the Tom Hanks brothers got to eat too. Uh, you know, yes, but yeah. uh, to to get back to Forky asked a question. So four more have dropped since we last talked about this series, and I, I wanted to say of them the what is cheese one is is a standout. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but it mm-hmm. it brings Jeff Garland back as the voice of Buttercup, the plush unicorn, and. He basically speed learns a forky, and they they cover everything from Lincoln was a good president to string theory, and not string cheese theory, but like literally the unifying, you know, field theory. Yes, but you have to also say that in this in this lesson, it's accompanied by the most sort of like educational '80s show graphics <laughs> and old JPEGs of. <laughs> Stars exploding. And no, things, no, which, you're right. I mean that that's you know. half the half the charm of it. Uh, on the other hand, another uh, and again before we, we swing back to the, the the Disney short circuit stuff, uh, Pixar also has its own Spark Shorts program. Mm-hmm. Two shorts dropped. Uh, first, we have Loop, uh, which is written and directed by Erica Milson, and I think you were talking about this is, uh, what is it, Pixar's first nonverbal character? Yeah, I think it's like nonverbal, you know, of speaking age, but not speaking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, um, which is, I thought it was really great. I know, no, I agree. I, for me, it was surprisingly brave in a lot of ways. First of all, there's not a whole lot of story. It really is kind of a, you know, slice of life uh, kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Also, you know, they really lean into this autistic character. You know, just, yeah. I mean, it's a very realistic portrayal and they don't pull a lot of punches. It just, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, congrats for doing something like that. Uh, on the other hand, we should also note that the spark shorts are really long. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting you brought that up because the next one that I just tripped over earlier today, Wind. Wind has been out there since December 13th of last year. And it, it took me wrong. It's a visual tour de force. Um, Wind is the one in the in the chasm. In the chasm, yeah. With, yeah. And, and, um, and it's one of these things where it's it's a metaphor for the immigrant story. And I, it's, all, what is it? it's almost eight minutes long. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of a bummer, you know, but 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 on the but on the other hand, there are there are good bummers and bad bummers. I mean, in fact, what just today, and God bless him, I've been trying to see this movie for what year year and a half now. Cycles, uh, Jeff Gibson, mm-hmm. uh, he's Disney's first VR short, but this is now finally available for viewing on on Disney Plus. And I know you've talked about this previously on the show. And in fact, yeah. I th- think we actually had an interview with Jeff uh, that you did featured on an, an earlier episode. And uh, to finally get to see this film you've described and and even going into it knowing as much as I did and to have it land that hard with that strong a punch. It's beautiful, it's, right? It's beautiful. And... You know, and I love that final grace note, you know, to to the effect of what the daughter asking the mom, you know, you're going to miss your house, mom. And it's like, no, I'm going to miss my home. 
And, you know, I mean... I, you know, and it also has that great... The very last shot of the house, like, destroyed with, like, you know... Yeah. Spray paint and graffiti and stuff. It was like, ugh. Yeah. It's gutting. But I think Jeff is actually, like, one of the most talented young animators. I mean, this guy looks like he just graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. He's got this kind of, like... He's kind of a kind of poet skateboarder is how I kind of... You know, he's, like... He's very spiritual, but he also, you know, he's kind of a, a cool Southern California guy, you mm-hmm. know. So he and and I loved Myth a lot too. I was about to say, yeah, that that he just did the second VR thing for the studio, that uh, Myth, a Frozen Tale, and uh, I want to know when that's going to show up because if if, I know. if Cycles is this good, uh, and I, I've heard people raving about Myth, you know that uh, Myth is amazing. It's well, amazing. And it supposedly actually does, what, almost a better job of setting the stage for Frozen 2 than the film itself does, right? Or Yes. I still don't know what happened in Frozen 2. But I, it, I, I, I know a little bit more now. But, yeah. I mean, talk about a guy who also, like, you know, make yourself indispensable mm-hmm. is always a good oh, yeah. rule of thumb at any job, right? And he's like, I'm the VR guy. And they're like, okay, let's do it. And they're just beautiful. And I love that I was last time I was at animation, he was... <laughs> He was literally setting up a VR headset for somebody to come watch Myth. It's like, this guy can do it all. He can set up his own movie. Uh, you know, you put on the goggle. I mean, it was it was really great uh, wow. to see. He now, is just the best. I know. Was this during the Disney Short Circuit press day? Or Yeah, it was. But we didn't do that. We didn't do Myth on that day. He, mm-hmm. I think there was just somebody who wanted to see it. And so he, went, he ran over there and set it up, oh. which is... Pretty great. Very um, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, well can, can we talk a, a little bit about the individual films here? Let's uh, go through them, Jim. Okay. Um, well, well, first and foremost, John Aquino's Lightning in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. I chose this one because it's it, the interesting thing is the introduction. Are these piece. your favorites, Jim? Well, I'm going to be kind of random here. Pick this one to start because... John mentioned how much he loved the Spielberg movies, mm-hmm. you know, when he was growing up. And this is very Spielberg-y. Yes. You know, in fact, you know, as, as I was watching this, I couldn't help but think, isn't, yeah, we were just talking about Apple TV Plus. They, they're rebuilding amazing stories. In fact, we, I know. We, we just got a, what is a start date for the, the reboot, March 6th. And... You know, I was watching this and it's like, I was really hoping that, you know, again, not that we want anybody poaching talent from Disney, but didn't Brad Bird basically start his career by doing that animated episode of Amazing Stories, Family Dog? Yes. Um, and he, he co-wrote that one about the kid with who has magnetism, head of the class. Do you remember that oh one? Oh, God. Yes. And then, um, and Batteries Not Included started out as a episode of Amazing Stories. Wow. This will all be in my Brad Bird biography. <laughs> Coming next year from, <laughs> um, yeah. So he, yeah, he's he. That's where he got to start. I mean, a lot of really talented people got their start on that show. There is nothing that put makes me feel like I'm ten again than putting on Amazing Stories. It just. Do you remember when they would package them as movies and show them sort of in the afternoon syndicated? Yeah. There, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I and I have to say that that had. My favorite opening of a show in oh. the 80s, you know, that and, and that was John Williams music, right? Yeah, uh, I love that theme. The only way the only one that topped it a few years later was the Jim Henson Hour. I love that uh, opening, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, really beautiful. You know. Anyway, we're getting off topic. OK, yes. Our, our, next up is Brian Estrada's Hair Jitsu, which I have to admit, 
I liked more than you did. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was a beautifully staged story of little girl's first haircut that suddenly take a hard left and becomes this crazy over the top kung fu film. Um, and I, and again, I, I love the tag gag at the end, but I think in a lot of cases, a number of these films rise and fall on the fact that again, they, they've only got ninety seconds to tell their stories. In the case of something like Brian Scott's Elephant in the Room. I honestly, if that film had had even a minute, two minutes more to tell its story, mm. I think it could have landed a little better. What would your take on those? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with you on Elephant in the Room. I thought Elephant in the Room looked amazing. Mm-hmm. It was like so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I love elephants, obviously, as you just heard of my my rant against zoos. But, you know, yeah, I did think that it was a little undercooked not undercooked even just it just did not have the time to expand but you know i i I, sort of seeing these together kind Mm -hmm. of made it feel like i was watching something like fantasia and you're gonna have segments of fantasia that you like more than other segments and that's sort of how i feel about any kind of like anthology uh, structured thing so you know even even the ones that i wasn't crazy Mm -hmm. as crazy about like hair jitsu I was so impressed with the style. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things we have to talk about is that each one of these looks completely different oh, from yeah. the next. I mean, and you know, I mean, it, I have to admit, I wasn't necessarily all, all that impressed with, say, the story of, of Brian Men's Just a Thought, but the fact that they leaned into the look of... Oh, I love that. That was one of my favorites, Jim. Oh, I mean, it's cute. It really is. But But for me, what was more impressive was the fact that uh, they really lean into that graphic look of the Sunday oh, funny yeah. page, and they made it work as the story of, of preteen love. Now, yeah, what kind of frustrated me about that is like everyone's praising into uh, into the Spider Verse for mm-hmm. doing stuff like that, and it's like Disney did it however many years ago, but nobody saw it until now, so now that's it's going to a... feel like it's kind of following them. But wow, you know, that's a really interesting point. Yeah, it would be fascinating to find out when when Brian actually did make this. On yeah. the other hand, you were just mentioning Fantasia, and which for me we have to talk about Jennifer Stratton's Zenith. And in fact, she talks about in her little sort of film intro that you know her favorite Disney film was the original Fantasia, and this thing for me was the most beautiful one of the bunch. In fact, this is at the point that I really, really, really envied that you got to see this in the Disney screening mm-hmm. room because this must have been spectacular to see in a giant screen. Yeah. Well, first of all, that screening room has been named Matanui, which I love. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that Zenith is definitely the most like head trip one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one that I could see projected on the ceiling of a uh, astronomy club or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's really cool. And I love that. She said that the one of the ways she pitched it was like, listen, um, visual effects can try out new stuff in this. Like it can be kind of a testing ground for things um, that uh, can be ad- adopted in features later on the down the line, which is sort of how I I felt like Flower in the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was very fun. In my roundtables, like I asked Jerry, mm-hmm. you know, are, are any of these things going to be applied to features because you've got a movie coming out that's set in ancient china <laughs> you know I, it's like i have to hmm, admit you know that, that, you know if you remember the original mulan it guy worth fighting for or girl worth fighting mm-hmm. for uh, yes and, and for two minutes that they embraced that, that 
sort of watercolor calligraphy look. And and yet again, it's it's a wonderful moment in the movie. It really stands out. And I couldn't help when I was watching Jing Ha, you know, Flower in the Mirror, that uh, it just it's, it's this skillful mix of artistic ambition and at the same time emotional restraint um, and and crazy staging with you know all of that watercolor influence and yeah I mean you know just you know I couldn't help but think it's somebody somebody who's working on Milan has to find a way to to bring Jerry in to do something for that movie I mean they just yeah. It just looked amazing. And speaking, though, of looking amazing, Kendra yes. Vanderveelt's Downtown. Oh, my God. Uh, so cool. That's yeah. Cool short. Yeah. It's hard, honestly, to describe this one. It's it's a guy who misses his bus and basically, what, a, a piece of graffiti helps him speed across the city. That does such a poor job of describing what an amazing uh, you know, the art design of this thing, the, the staging, the uh, music. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's all basically done in silhouette. Um, yeah. I, you know, I mean, somebody needs to give Kendra an action film to direct yesterday. I mean, if, the, yeah. if this is what she can do with, again, the, you were just mentioning the repurposed resources of Walt Disney animation series. Oh my God, what she could do with some real money and, you know, a real story. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing that we need to talk about is that that all of the, almost all of the shorts utilize some form of 2D animation. Mm -hmm. Not 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 traditional hand-drawn, but the, the comic strip one, this one. And she talked about how they kind of created 3D characters and kind of smashed them flat. Mm -hmm. And then when you watch this movie, it's about somebody who is sort of interacting with street art mm -hmm. and the way that that works is really, I thought, very, very striking and never, to me, never hit a uh, bad note. Mm -hmm. I mean, it never it never looked like a video game. It never looked, I mean, no, it was just so no, unique. Right. Um, no, that absolutely. You know, just yeah. it, if this is her portfolio pieces, you know, that that's Kendra's going places. On, on the other hand, to, to bury the needle in the exact opposite direction, uh, Mitch Consul's fetch, you know, the, the fact that this was set in, you know, what, the, the primeval forest with a cute little girl, and but that there wasn't a misplaced detail in it. I mean, I loved, for example, how... They established the boundary of, you know, the deep, dark forest with that group of stones that have been set in the ground and how the little girl just strides fearlessly over those. And the moss, the trees, uh, mm -hmm. and a wonderful setting. And then to have the story take the turn that it did. Yeah. Uh, no, it's... A, a, well, I, and I thought that was actually one of the only ones that looks mm -hmm. like sort of traditional Walt Disney Animation Studios yes, right now. And yeah, I, was, I thought so. they should have put it put it in front of Frozen 2, for God's sakes. Um, I mean, I thought that one was like, that one's ready to go out the door, like very commercial, but very entertaining. And you're right, beautifully told. I mean, and I, and the kind of character mm -hmm. is... I won't, I won't say who it is, but I thought that design was just beautiful. At the same time, if I had to pick my favorite out of mm -hmm. this bunch, it would probably be Zach Parrish's Puddles. Uh, uh, you know, love it. You know, which, again, just hugely imaginatively, wonderfully staged. Uh, and it certainly doesn't hurt that it had a terrific payoff. And I, I, I don't want to say too much. I want people to literally just finish listening to the podcast, get on Disney Plus and watch that. Because, again, I, I think that one was so well self-contained, just like with uh, Fetch. You could have dropped that in front of, you know, the 
the next Disney animated feature, and that would have been, agree. you know. Um, after that, Natalie Nuregate's you know, exchange student had some interesting story beats. I liked Trent Corey's drop, you know, how it uh, blended CG and hand-drawn animation. Me personally, it was great to see Dan Lund back in action again. And I, th- I think we, we talked about the race, you know, that again had, had amazing backgrounds and some interesting story beats. I guess if I had to pick the one that really didn't work all that well for me, that would be Lucky Toupee, mm-hmm. uh, which I think, think you were talking about, that was the very first one. Uh, yes, that was the very first one they produced. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree that it's not the best, mm-hmm. but I also give it some, like, like I was saying, the other animators mm-hmm. relied on the animators that came before them to help with their shorts. The other thing that we should mention is like the hair jujitsu that mm-hmm. was done by a guy who was like a, like a PA, mm-hmm. like these shorts could come from anywhere in the studio, yeah. which I think is very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, story artist, background artist, uh, you know, concept designer, like every, the whole gamut of Walt Disney animation studios is represented in these shorts. And I think that's really inspiring. But the point is that Nikki didn't have anybody to go to, you know, yeah. she was on her own. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let, let's be completely honest here. The, the artificial, setup that these are are 90 second long shorts when i was watching this thing and you know watched it a couple times before you know kind of trying to settle on how i felt about it it basically this is kind of a prep and landing secret world story and you really need to do exposition with these you really need to do place setting for the world and that's a thing that it's just sort of like if you had to tell the story of prep and landing in 90 seconds, you wouldn't get all the great juice. And it's just a thing. Right. Was, well, like w- in her intro, she's like, they're little gangsters. And yeah. I, like, I mean, see, I, I love that setup. Yeah. yeah. And it took me wrong. There's wonderful, you know, physical comedy bits. You know, there really is good stuff here. But it just it kind of felt like. You know, we're in and out uh, too quickly here. And if this thing had, if she'd had even double the length, I bet, you know, that this would have landed better. Uh, but yeah. again, it, it's kind of the luck of the draw. And again, would, when you're the first one through the door, uh, you know, sometimes you have to plow the road for everybody else. So, um, so you didn't love the race? Uh, the race, again, I, I hate to say this, um, it, the backgrounds were so ridiculous so hyper detailed that again i kept going am i looking at arendale what am i looking at here you know and it kind of pulled me out of the movie because the face it the death figure really is kind of generic but again i liked his design and i also you thought it was a little dark but i i thought the amount of mayhem was pretty (laughs) it was pretty admirable for Uh, a uh, disney short all right that that is true for a Disney film, yes, there is a lot of off-screen chaos. So, uh, like again, folks, you're going to have to see this too to understand. And yes, um, closest we'll ever get to seeing Mort. I think, on the big screen, oh too. no! Now you are killing me. That that you know. <laughs> okay, so that does it for this week's fine tuning. Uh, Drew, what you wanted more, Jim? I go out there, I get this content for you. Jeez. You're never satisfied. I, I know. I, I'm a terrible person. On the other hand, though, uh, I was very pleased to see on, on Twitter this week all, all sorts of people acknowledging that they had gone out of their way to chase down Paul Hirsch's book. 
And, oh, good. Yeah, and and how much they enjoyed it. And again, they they bought it largely on you and I raving about it. Uh, right. But you well, you it. talked about it with Dan, who has far less social clout than myself. But <laughs> you know, he's good. He's gonna make it. He's gonna get through it. You know. Okay. So, but again, <laughs> but, but again, the, the, one of the reasons that that this book was on your radar because he had done all that work on the Mission Impossible movies. Tells great stories about them, too, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's going on uh, with Light Diffuse these days? You'll appreciate this week's, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're listening. Um, it is, we did a recap of two of the classic old episodes. Oh, okay. Um, so taking a breather from interviews, but we've got, we've got some more people in the hopper. Mm-hmm. We're about to do a very big, deep dive on the making of Ghost Protocol, so that'll be just a really fun little series about the, the production of that. And um, we're ramping up for a hundredth episode. Hopefully, we're, we'll have somebody big. We're we're working on it. We're uh, you know making the calls, uh, sending the emails, getting some responses. <laughs> See, uh. hopefully that works out. Um, but yeah, and then it's gonna. I feel like it's gonna be full steam ahead because you know they go into production this spring. Yeah, right. What was I reading? Rome is that where they? Rome, they... yeah. Rome is gonna be a location. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna try. We're we're gonna try to go on set at some point. Um, oh, and, you are uh, killing me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we'll have a lot to cover with with Top Gun too. There's obviously a, a lot of uh, crossover mm-hmm. there, um, and that's coming out in uh, the summer. So it's gonna be a lot of stuff. It'll be we'll, we'll f- still got a lot to talk about, Jim. Very cool. Okay. Well, uh, over at Jim Hill Media, we got the the usual assortment of podcasts. We got Disney Dish with Lentesto. We got. Marvel Us Disney, the podcast I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the shows here. Uh, we got Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We have I Want That with Michelle Valladolid. And we also have Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z, who... <laughs> a very nice fellow. Don't, don't, don't believe well, what Drew, I mean, Drew has I to say know. about him. So. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I went, to, I went to Galaxy's Edge for Dan last week. Did you I really? A, yeah, okay. well, I got I got some great pictures from the ride opening mm-hmm. out here and and all that. So, and does it actually deliver? I, you know, it does. I I felt like it, I feel like it's it's like a masterpiece of of Imagineering. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is is I I think the this boarding group thing is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it sucks that. Did you know that you can actually bypass whole sequences in the ride if, if certain sections aren't working? Like I've heard that, you know. Yeah. And... So I, I have a friend who went on it and said, oh, my God, I didn't even see the scene that you're talking about. And it's like, oh, OK. Uh, but, um, yeah. yeah, it was and an interesting it was a fun day. I mean, I wrote it. I wrote it four times. So I went on on each path mm-hmm. twice, okay. which was great. But, you know, it was sort of it was like since they did the big day in Florida, unless mm-hmm. you were like a big muckety muck, like my buddy Todd Martins at the L.A. Times, <laughs> mm-hmm. who wrote that great piece that you've referenced all the time about theme parks losing their theming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had the head of Disneyland PR walking around with him. But, you know, with me, it was like, don't let the door hit you or the Lord <laughs> split you. Uh, so that's, that was more my experience, but I love the ride. I can't wait. I can't wait to go on it with you, Jim, when you come out here. Okay. Well, that, that's hopefully that will be relatively soon. We're, we're good. We're talking folks. We have some plans for the later this spring. All right. Speaking of which though, the looking to the future, if you folks could do us a favor, uh, both Drew and I, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not just this show, but also light the fuse. Uh, that helps 
gets us extra eyeballs and ears. And if you really, really, really like fine tuning, if you get head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, well, that then makes it possible to to spring for the hundred and nine dollar tickets. That uh, well, that's that's what you're paying. What to, to go to next week's uh, yeah. Disneyland After Dark? The the eighty seven. This is what I'm doing for you then next week. I'm going to Disneyland After Dark. I'm doing Minnie's Moonlight Madness again, <sighs> and I'm going to be in the top ten this year. So help me God. <sighs> and I'm going to Pixar for another onward thing. So you're gonna get a lot of content out of me. Oh next week speaking of which I, I wanted to tell you this i was at target earlier this week and the onward toys are on the shelf you know i, uh, I, I was actually kind of surprised to see that but i guess we are at this point are, are, what we're six weeks out or yeah we're yeah i mean february 2nd or 6 will only be a month away so right. yeah it's it's coming up okay because I, so. I was intrigued they've got plush toys they've got action figures and yeah, I got the dad figure. I want there's like some little ones that are are vehicles, mm-hmm. and and you can get the van and you can get the bike with the little sprites driving it. So those well, are the ones I want to check well, out. So if you see those, let me know. Okay, you know, in fact, that was why I was halfway tempted to buy the dad, was that he does come with sprites. You know, the yes. little the little biker sprites, but yeah, um, pretty great. You should get it. Oh, well, okay. I'm leaving your target now. Anyway, (laughs) uh, thank you folks for listening, and Drew and I will be back soon.